guys. Welcome to another episode of Science Unscripted. So, today we're going to be talking about something a little different than the stuff that we normally talk about. Now, I realize that I may or may not say this a few times each different episode, um, but today is actually a little different because normally we go over like a scientific topic or really something that pertains to like biology or some field of science. Um, today it's similar, but it's delving a little bit into history as well. So, basically, um, the topic that we're going over today is, and I'm going to butcher the pronunciation this entire episode, so please, if there's any Austrians or Italians, please don't hate on me, but we're going to talk about Utsi, the Iceman. Now, I've seen a different way of it being pronounced. There's Utsi, Utsi, or Utsi, Utsi. Okay, so basically I'm going to butcher the pronunciation, so I'm sorry, I apologize in advance. Um, I'm going to call him my main man O, pretty much, so we're going to call him Utsi. That's what we're going to go with. Okay, so Utsi the Iceman. You guys may know about him. He was pretty famous in the last couple of years. He was discovered in 1991, but he really gained fame in the last couple of years because of all the scientific discoveries and technological advancements that allowed us to study his body, and it really just kind of popped off because... It's pretty cool, not gonna lie, it's pretty cool. So, basically, to give you a little context, Utsi is the well-preserved, um, or I guess he he is a man, or he was a man, but Utsi, how we're gonna describe him, is the well-preserved 5,300-year-old predicted, because, again, we can't be entirely sure, um, mummy found in a glacier in the Italian Alps. He was found in 1991, and he was actually found by a German couple named Erika and Helmut Simon. Um, on September 19th, 91, while they were hiking towards, again, Tissinjok Saddleback in the Utsul Alps. So, um, obviously he was named Utsi because he was found in the Utsul Valley. Um, he was found at an elevation of 10,530 feet um, in western Austria. And he was found when the couple noticed the upper part of a human body um, basically partially free in the ice. Which... That sounds like a great thing to find when you're strolling down for a little hike. Like, you're about to go on a hike and you're like, oh, guys, guess what we're going to find today? We might find a human body. That would be so cool. Like, who expects to find a human body? Imagine how crazy freaked out they were. But, yeah, so they found a partial human body in the ice. Um, He was found lying outstretched on his stomach with his left arm, um basically, like, angled really sharply to the right and under his chin. So, like, if you think about, if you, okay, so imagine you're standing straight, up tall, just take your left arm and basically do, like, a, uh, like, imagine you're reaching to your shoulder, but your arm stays straight. It's, like, really sharply angled, so he must have been really uncomfortable when he died. Okay, but, okay, so, basically how this occurred, um, why his body was found, summer, um, the summer previous and that summer as well were both particularly warm and this this high temp aided in exposing his remains and um there was all the other weathering things too they had like a large gust from i think it was like south some african gust that they talked about that apparently left the stone leaving a little red as well but basically high temps um partial dethawing of the ice um over time his body got released over like a couple years and well more than a couple years i guess because it was 5300 but you know what i mean basically his body was um partially seen these couple f- stumbled upon them and the first thing that they did which honestly pretty cool um they well i mean obviously most people would do this but they identified the authorities the austrian authorities that's important um who at first assumed it was a victim of a mountaineering accident like that makes sense like if you find a ba- body in some 
it's in the Austrian Alps, you're gonna think, um, he probably fell over and hurt himself, or he died, and something like that. You're not gonna think, oh, it's a preserved mummy from 6,000 years ago. No one's gonna think that. Okay, so, they, on the basis that they thought it was a mountaineering accident, they didn't think his body would be, like, extremely fragile, or, like, something that would be needed for archaeological study. So, they basically did the thing that you would think they would do. They, without contacting anyone else, really, they used jackhammers and other really crude methods, like axes, to try and quickly get his body out. So, they caused damage to parts of the mummy, um, partially, like, his left hip and thigh and some of his tools, because, yeah, he had tools with him. Pretty cool! Such as his bow, which, by the way, like, awesome. I want a bow. I really want to, like, I want to just, ugh, whatever. Okay, so, the first attempt to pull him out was stopped due to the bad weather. Um, in total, it took about five days after his discovery for Utsi the mummy to be freed from the ice and exposed. After that, he was carried away by a helicopter, I mean, like, first-class treatment, am I right, to the um, Institute of Foreign Medicine, sorry, Institute of Forensic Medicine at Innsbruck Medical University. Now, I'm not going to say that totally, because it's the Forensic... Institute of Forensic Medicine at Innsbruck Medical University in Austria. So from now on, it's going to be I-F-M-I-M-U-A. <laughs> that might be harder, but still. Let's, okay, let's just call it the Institute of Forensic Medicine. Okay, whenever I reference in the future. So that's what I'm talking about. Um, so at that institute, he was observed by or examined by an archaeologist. Um, and basically, he was like, yeah, this is at least 4,000 years old. And not, in fact, a mountaineering accident. So that's pretty cool, honestly. So we're already on the path to know that Utsi is maybe a little bit more special than just some dude who tumbled and fell to his death. Sad. Okay, moving on. The body of Utsi had been preserved through a process of natural mummification. Now, natural mummification is, if you've ever heard of mummification, which I'm guessing most of you had, that's where they used, like, chemicals to basically artificially um, preserve the body. So they would take basically the organs out of the body and put them in jars and basically um, cover the um, body in specific chemicals and then wrap it up and then close it in a tomb so that it wouldn't be access to O2 because or oxygen because oxygen is one of the things that helps decompose things. So basically, natural mummification is in contrast to this, where it's actually through natural means, such as, um, like, ice, which would freeze the body and prevent any O2 from, or oxygen from really being exposed to the body. Um, alongside this, there's, it can also occur in arid environments, which are, like, really, really dry, um, or places devoid of oxygen, so think, like, bogs and swamps. Basically, any place that would be conducive to a body being preserved, um, that can occur, um, natural mummification can occur there as well. So, that's what happened to Otsi, and radiocarbon analysis that was subsequently performed on him suggested that he was actually about 5,300 years old, dating to around 3,300 BC. Now, when I say radiocarbon, I mean, like, they measure them out of carbon-14. Um, that's pretty cool. If you guys haven't heard of carbon-14 measuring, it's pretty cool. Basically, carbon-14 is a type of isotope, a radioactive isotope of carbon, that they can use to measure that's present in, like, a lot of old things, so they basically, well, it's present in everything, but they can tell how old something is by the amount, because it decays, so they can see how much is left, that can kind of give them an idea of, like, pretty much, like, how old something is. It's, it's kind of cool. Um, obviously, that's a really crude explanation, but still, pretty cool. So, 
Um, if he was living around 3300 BC, he was living during the Copper Age. Or pretty much, it's the Copper Age. Okay, so if you don't know anything about, like, times in BC, they're pretty much dictated by the technological advancements, and or at least the names are. So by the technological advancements, or, like, if they lived to hunter-gatherers, pretty much in this case, it was, like, the Stone Age. Um, and then it became the Copper Age after they moved from stone to smelting copper and using copper. And then that time period is before the Bronze Age, which was when they mixed copper and tin to make bronze. So basically each different era is defined by um, what tools they use and what like what level of technology they were found, um, they were using at that time. So um, again, the copper is the transition between the Neolithic Age, um, which is like the Stone Age, and the Bronze Age. Um, so basically the Copper Age lasted from about 3,500 BC to 1,700 BC. Um, some other like sources said that it was it ended around 2300 BC. Basically there's a lot of contention around it like where we find the first artifacts of like cop of bronze, but um anywhere from that range is pretty good. Okay. So Copper Age is also known as the Calcolithic period and it represents again a time when the people of modern day Europe began to make use of melting um of using like stone instruments but not yet the bronze. So it there's began to utilize copper for agriculture, construction, and other aspects of daily life. Around this time, there was um, evidence of like copper usage in the Middle East, um, parts of Asia, the pre-Columbian Americas, and Africans, as well as in the Africas, as well as in Europe. Um, they all seem to develop smelting copper at different times. Um, so obviously the Copper Age, that's why it spans so long, because obviously civilizations don't just develop at the exact same time. They all develop pretty um, separately. But it's cool that they all kind of manage to figure the same things out, the same similar timings. But some, um, basically some cultures did not have access to these, like they didn't have mines or they didn't have the technology available. So this is when trading also started to pop up and increase a lot. So trading seems to abound during the Copper Age at this time, giving rise to residential or like regional centers um, and it also began to appear, like, the first walled settlements, usually structured around specific mines, so, like, walled settlements would help, like, protect against people who want your copper, so that's pretty cool. Um, <clears throat> okay, so, next, um, back to Otzi, um, who we're here for, of course. So, um, oh, also in, in the Copper Age, they also had a lot of monuments that were built. That's also pretty cool. Okay, back to Otzi. So, Otzi was initially kept at the Institute for Foreign Medicine, Forensic Medicine, um, but because he was actually found on the Italian Alps, like, okay, honestly, it was a hundred feet from the Austrian side, but still, he was found on the Italian side, um, and that was later discovered, um, or brought up, I guess. Maybe the Austrians might have been like, oh, that's something that we didn't necessarily want to tell you. Okay, but whatever. So he was found on the Italian side. So he was swiftly claimed by the Italian government who were like, ooh, dead guy, let's get him. He's ours now. So six years later, he was transferred, yeah, six years, whatever. He was transferred to the South Tyrol Museum of Archaeology, where he is housed in a special cold cell, which is kept at a constant 20.3 degrees Fahrenheit. That is cold. So that's about minus 6.5 degrees Celsius, and he can also be viewed through a small little window where his artifacts and clothing are also on display. So the Tyrol Museum is where he is right now. Um, so yeah, if you want to go see Otzi, that's where he is. Go have a little trip to Ita Italia. It's very fun. Maybe don't go on the Alps because those apparently are very dangerous. So do not do that. Um, or I mean, unless you're like a really good climber because climbing is fun, but 
don't hurt yourself, please. That would be really bad. Okay, so moving on. Basically, we're going to go into the scientific analysis now because we talked about what OTC was. Now we're going to go into a little bit because it's a science podcast, so we have to go into some science. So the scientific analysis found that he was five foot three inches, which let's go. I'm taller than a man, guys. Let's go. Um, and he weighed around one to ten pounds. So um, from low levels of subcutaneous fat, which is so cool that they can measure that. I'm just saying. So cutaneous means skin. So subcutaneous is like um, on underneath skin. There's fatty deposits on bones and stuff like that. They can measure actually what their um, levels of fat would be around the body. So it was concluded that he was lean and wiry, which makes sense if he was five foot three and like 110 pounds. So the osteon analysis indicated that he was also in his 40s now osteons are pretty cool osteons are like the microscopic cylindrical vascular tunnels formed by osteoclast activity in bones they're basically like the functional unit of bones they're pretty cool and um basically the younger adults have fewer osteons because osteons are formed over time um but they're usually longer now this is because um older adults have smaller ones but more osteon fragments because new ones are formed and basically they disrupt the old ones so they're shorter but they have more so using the basically you can get like a crude and crude measurement of how old someone is based on what length their osteons are and how old they are not how old they are how um many they have so Alongside this, it was seen that he was fit, but suffered from several ailments. And this is only determined because his body was so well-preserved. Like, they were able to, like, analyze his stomach contents and the contents in his bones. Basically, different diseases and parasites and ailments can leave, like, impacts on your bones and your stomach and your skin and all your different tissues. So researchers were able to look into his tissues, basically take samples and see what ailments he could have been suffering from as long as well as just looking at the physical evidence of his body. So um, basically it was found that he was fit, but he suffered from several ailments such as Lyme disease, like crazy, there was ticks back there too, um, and intestinal parasites, which awesome. I mean, just think about it. This is not just a way of looking at what life could be like in the copper age, but also looking at what like parasitology was like. Like we can see direct evidence of parasites coexisting with humans. That's so cool. Ugh, we're going to have to do episodes on the parasites. They're so awesome. Okay. So, an analysis of his stomach found evidence of helio helio oh, I can never say this. Helicobacter pylori. Helobacter pylori. Now, I don't know if you know this, but um, this is basically the bacteria that causes like gastritis and ulcers. Um, and this is pretty cool because it was actually discovered by a, and a really cool story. It was discovered by that, um, by, I forgot his name, but he's really, really cool. He basically was a student who, um, actually, I'm, I think he was a researcher already. Yeah, he was a researcher who was like, I don't think that ulcers are caused by stress, and I want to prove it. So, he basically ingested a bunch of helicobacter, back, back, helicobacter pylori and gave himself ulcers and gastritis, and it was really painful, but then he cured himself with antibiotics, subsequently proving that it was a bacterial infection. So, that's pretty cool. He did that self-experimentation, not a recommended thing, but highly prolific in ancient medicine. Well, not even ancient medicine. It was pretty much used until, like, late 1900s or 20th century, honestly. Okay, but continuing. So, they found Helicobacter pylori, which is pretty cool. 
um, and also he had extensive wear, like, on his teeth, his hit, his joints, especially at the hips, shoulder, knees, and spine, suggesting that he might have suffered from arthritis. Like, that's cray cray. They had arthritis too. Isn't it weird to think that, like, they had all these modern ailments and realize that they're not actually that modern? That's so cool. Okay, so, his lungs were also covered in soot, which might suggest, like, open fires or being around flames and all that kind of thing. Uh, smoking kills, guys. I'm just telling you. Don't stand near those fires. It's not good. Okay. So he also suffered from gum disease and dental trauma, probably because there weren't very good dentists back then. Who would have guessed? Okay. Next. They also did DNA analysis. So cool. And found that he is not related to the current population of Europe, which is weird because he was found in the Australian Alps. But he shares genetic affinity with inhabitants of the islands of Sardinia and Corsinia. Corsica. Corsica? Yeah. He had brown eyes, type O blood, he was lactose intolerant, and he had a genetic predisposition for increased risk of CAD, which we did talk about, coronary artery disease. Did I talk about that? Yeah, we did in the um, myocardial infarction episode. Basically, um, coronary artery disease is when you can form atherosclerosis or have stenosis. Basically, any... Um, dysfunction of your coronary artery disease, of your coronary arteries, sorry, your coronary arteries are the ones that feed your heart with blood and nutrients and oxygen, and so when they start, stop being able to do that, like there's an obstruction that blocks blood flow, you can have heart failure because, or heart cell t tissue death, it's not great. Um, so this may have, his increased predispos predisposition for risk may have um, led to the calcification of his carotid artery. Um, so, calcification is another way in which, um, plaques and stenosis or arteriosis of, um, what's it called? Of, uh, oh yeah, the coronary arteries can basically occur. So, next, isotopic analysis. Now, this is pretty cool. Basically, you can quantify and measure the number of different isotopes to kind of, like, reconstruct um, reconstruct, sorry, his place of origin and aspects of his diet, because isotopes are ingested in food we eat and then stored in the bones and teeth and other tissues. That's so cool! They can literally see what he ate before he died. That's awesome! Okay, it looks like he was originally, um, from the southern side of the Alps. I wonder why we couldn't have just said he was in the southern side of the Alps where he was found, but whatever. Um, it's so much cooler to say, like, I isotopically ana analyze this guy so now I know where he's from instead of being like, oh yeah, dude, I like found him on the southern side in this glacier, so he's obviously from the southern side, bro. Yeah, so pretty much cooler to say the isotopic version. Okay, so his last meal was ibex meat and um, red deer, normally like they assimilated wild, um, and cereals from einkorn wheat and poisonous fern. The poisonous fern was a little weird, but they thought maybe it was used as a wrap for his food or for... Um, or as, like, his medicinal herb or treatment for his little intestinal buddies that he had. Because he got a lot of those. And it's cool that he would have been aware of that. Who knows? Um, either way, it's a lot of speculation, but that's pretty cool. Um, now, I've heard, um, from, or I've read from other sources that instead of Ibex meat, it was actually, um, like, fatty sliced cured goat meat, kind of like bacon today. But again, I don't know which one's right, so because I was not there, but basically it was some form of meat, and that's, yeah, so, I mean, the goat meat would be a little bit different, but 
it eats something from me. And the, the important part is really the icorn wheat, because that would suggest that they are farmers and the civilization had agricultural um, technology, which is pretty cool. Um, okay, so next, he was found with a bunch of artifacts. Now, there was mainly a lot of leather. Like, he carried along a lot of leather. He had scattered bits of leather, plant fiber, animal hides, string, an axe, and an unfinished bow. Um, they were all found near him. And then more were actually discovered later as, um... They did more, like, excavation of the site. They found more leather, a knife, an arrow quiver, and some pieces of his clothing. So they are actually able to reconstruct his whole entire outfit, which, fashion show for the primeval, pretty cool. So, he wore a cloak, leggings, a belt, had a loincloth, a bearskin cap, and shoes made of deer hide stretched on a string, netting, and insulated with grass. Honestly, the epitome of cop-rage fashion, guys. Pretty cool. Utsi was a little, he was a fashion diva. Okay, so he was also found um, with a pouch that had tinder fungus, which, oh my god, guys, I'm reading this book, what's it called? Um, what's it called? No, okay, it's about fungi, but basically they found tinder fungus on him, which could be used, basically tinder fungus is a very typical um, fungi that burns pretty easily, so it can be used as tinder, but then it also could have medicinal, like, um, anti-parasitic properties so he could have been using them for either and we don't know for sure but that's awesome um there's also a scraper a boring tool and when i say boring tool i don't mean like it was boring like gonna send someone to sleep i mean like it was used for boring shit so a um a bone all and a flat flake so another interesting thing is that he had 61 tattoos in the shape of parallel lines and crosses they were along his rib cage lower back his wrists his ankles his knees his calves but they were not made with a needle, but instead fine incisions that were made in his skin and then filled with charcoal. That's cray cray. This man was tatted up. And now what's interesting is that a lot of archaeologists and people who study this, like most researchers, think that they were serving as a medical rather than a decorative use. So that was pr pr mainly proposed. Um, I'm not sure why they differentiated between that, but mostly because... Um, I'm guessing because of the just like how they all looked, the decorations they weren't like um, typical of like what a decorative tattoo would look like. They're more like ritualistic. Okay, so now we're gonna talk about poor Utsi's death. It wasn't from a mountaineering ex um, accident in the 20th century, guys. Sorry to break it to you. Okay. So this is the greatest mystery. Um, basically, it was initially assumed to be a mountaineering accident. Um, maybe falling into a crevice, he succumbed to the elements, or he fell to his death. All reasonable things, because the Alps are cray-cray hard to climb, guys. So, human, um, but now analysis of his body, um, like, however, analysis of his body revealed he was most likely murdered. Murder. Murder. Yes, Utsi was murdered. Okay, well, most likely. We don't know for sure. And poor, who would ever want to kill poor fashion diva Utsi? He didn't do anything wrong, guys. God. Well, he probably did. We don't know. Um, so he had an injured, why we think this is that he had injured areas to his shoulder and to one as well to his head. So um, there was a flint arrowhead embedded in his shoulder. Um, it was picked up by an x-ray and then he had a blunt head uh, head injury caused from most likely a blunt object so someone shot him and either hit him at the same time maybe it's two people but someone was not liking Utsi very much so 
Um, a 2012 study revealed that the arrow was the main cause of death because it pierced his left shoulder and injured his subclavian artery, which is basically, if you might not guess, subclavian, it's, a it's an artery running right underneath your clavicle. So, um, study found that his um, red blood cells, which um, were still intact, by the way, after 5,000 years, is awesome, showed traces of a clotting protein that basically appears immediately after the wound is struck. Like, when, basically, after you're injured, there's clotting factors that appear to help, um, kind of, like, again, form of clot and stop blood hemorrhaging from the wound. But, um, they usually, these clotting factors in proteins usually, like, they leave after if the wound would heal. Like, if it had healed, or, um, if it wasn't the cause of death, then they would have gone away. But because they were still there, it indicates that he did not, like, heal from this, um, injury and it probably caused his death because he died from it so um he was likely ambushed and shot in the back which is honestly not a great way to die especially on a mountain like what i'm picturing is like he's climbing up with his like best friend and they're like oh let's celebrate this amazing view and his friend is just like nah i'm gonna shoot you now but like sad sad okay let's see okay now we talked about who Utsi was. He had a kind of great... I don't know. We can't speculate beyond anything, really. But we know that he was a man in his 40s. He was 5'3", 110 pounds, lean and wiry. He probably had a beard. Just He just probably did, because I'm guessing they didn't have facial stuff then. Um, you can actually look up pictures of what they reconstructed him to look like. It's pretty cool. Um, so, we all know what he's like now. We have firm understanding of who Utsi is. I'm joking. We have a very menial understanding of what Utsi is. But it's pretty cool to get a glimpse into what a guy at the Copper Age would kind of be like. And what his diet looked like. And what his tools he had. I mean, who would have guessed a man during the Copper Age would have an axe? Who would have guessed? I'm joking. Yeah, it's, it seems... Whenever you picture someone like in the primeval age, you think bow and axe. But still, it's pretty cool. So, we're going to think about what does this mean for us. Like, what does seeing Utsi mean? First off, f get frozen, guys. Go to the future. <laughs> go do some cryotherapy. <laughs> I'm joking. Please don't go and freeze yourself in a glacier in the Italian Alps just because I said that. So, what he does is it gives us a glimpse at what life during the Copper Age was like, such as diet, clothing, um, like, physical appearance, um, tools, technologies, all of that kind of thing at that time. Um, his diet could also reveal things about his people, such as ingesting a grain, suggest, as I said, farming, and maybe domestication of animals, especially if goats might have been used. Um, no other organic material from the copper age survived, so he's pretty much the only organic material, which is pretty cool, and I mean, it makes sense because not a lot of things are preserved in ice. So, um, or at least that we found. We don't know that yet. So he raises a lot of questions, such as, like, um, whether he was murdered or not, and whether that was, he could have been a ritualistic sacrifice, um, that could tell us further about his, um, people as well. We don't know what people he lived with, we don't know what form of tribe he was in, um, we can guess, but we don't know, and we don't know what his tattoos were for. There's so many things that are unknown that we don't know. We don't know if his, his society could be extremely smart. I mean, like, they had these amazing fungi, and, but he obviously suffered from a lot of ailments. So, basically, we don't know a lot, but 
knowing, even trying to speculate a little bit and having this little information is pretty cool. So, all around applause to Utsi the Iceman. He's a pretty cool dude, and he's given us a great look into history. It's kind of like if you've ever been um, at, like, the Griffith Observatory does a great job with this, but they have, like, those little videos that you're in the, pl the planetarium or the solarium, and they have this huge video that, like, goes back in time, and you can walk among the dinosaurs and all those things. Well, this Utsi discovery kind of gives us a way to do that. We can look at what he people would look like, what they did, um, what they ate, what they would wear, what they would look like. It's, it's pretty cool, and honestly, it's a discovery that is pretty cool. It's, yeah, it's, it's ro it rocked a lot of minds for a while. So, um, we're obviously still doing research on it, and I'm sure there's more that we can find from Otsi, especially with technological advancements on our part, but it's pretty cool. So, if any of you are history nerds, I hope this episode appealed to you. If not, I'm sorry, I will go back to science next week. Don't worry, I just wanted to do Nice Man for a little bit, because gotta give Utsi some credit. Now, again, I hope I'm pronouncing that okay. If not, Italians, I'm sorry. Okay. Anyways, everyone, I hope you enjoyed. Um, again, you can reach us at unscripted13 at gmail.com if you have the likelihood um, or the wanting to. So, basically, stay curious, enjoy, and I'll see you guys next time.